Enter the healer's realm where your spirit will find peace with your host, Denise Damijo. We are here to remember. We are here to heal. We are here to ascend and transcend. Grab your free gift in the podcast description today. Hello and welcome back to the healer's realm. I am your host, Denise Damijo, and I am so excited to have... Bonnie Davina Ma. And the reason why I had her for my first episode is because I know how important it is for this subject to take place. I know that a lot of people are waking up right now and looking for different methods and modalities in order to help them on their healing journey. Bonnie Davina Ma is a registered nurse and intuitive healer. She specializes in energy medicine, yogic, shamanic, and tantric modalities for healing, and plant medicine integration. Her work focuses on trauma resolution and women's issues. She has led workshops and worked as a singer, songwriter, yoga teacher, and healing practitioner all over the world. She comes today to speak with us about plant medicine integration. So, Bonnie, thank you so much for being here on the show. I really appreciate you. How did you get into this? Well, hi, Denise. It's nice to be here. So my journey really began in 2012 when I had what many of us experience, which some know as the dark night of the soul. During that time, I just had a lot of major transitions, a lot of things falling away. That propelled me into this world uh, that I never knew existed before, this world of shamanic plant medicine. I was, I was randomly invited to attend an ayahuasca ceremony. Just by following my intuition and going to speak with someone at a gathering, a random stranger who asked me, who said, uh, you know, something inside me said, go talk to this person. So I did. Then we exchanged contact information. And then a couple of weeks later, I get an invitation to go to the ayahuasca ceremony, which I didn't even know at the time what that was. <laughs> we travel in time forward to this present moment, which is many, 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 many lost count of how many times I've had the honor to participate in plant medicine ceremonies, sometimes specifically for just my personal development, my personal growth, and just to be completely on the receiving end, often as an assistant, often as a musician, singer, songwriter. And then I've had the the privilege of apprenticing uh, with uh, various shamans uh, who come from the Amazonian traditions. As I migrated from nursing into the kind of work I do now, it just naturally so happened that I saw that the call for plant medicine integration was very much needed and really lacking. Mm -hmm. It's just been my natural calling through time, just seeing a need, seeing safety issues and adverse things happening as a result of no integration. Mm. Uh, That's a good one. 
So now I sit here with you and we can delve into that, the integration process. Yes, because I just recently uh, was had the opportunity of experiencing ayahuasca, and I'm also thinking about traveling to Peru or Mexico, where, you know, I want to have a different experience with ceremonies, interact with the different shamans and everything else. And here's the thing is, is that a lot of times, you know, we don't know what to do or what to ask or what the shaman should know and what to ask the shamans to make sure it's a safe environment and that it's ethical practices. And that's really going to safely guide me in the manner that I need to be guided. So what exactly is plant integration and why is this important? The term integration essentially means returning to wholeness. In the shamanic mm. perspective, by different names, this is the part of us that's always whole. Uh, yet when we come into this human body, into this human existence, we experience various traumas. We develop certain patterns and tendencies that cause what we'll call like a soul fragmentation, where we become, in, a, in essence, shattered. Then we work to gather those fragments and bring them back. So mm -hmm. we can return to wholeness and we can call that healing timelines. There's different ways that people see it, uh, but typically this is work that we do in the quantum space. So this is not like talk therapy. This is where we work outside of the physical plane, outside of the space time dimension. And we travel into these other realms where we can perhaps even beat spirit in spirit coming through in different forms. Mm. And we have the opportunity in these spaces to do our deep healing versus treating, managing, and even curing. In integration, we return to wholeness. In the plant medicine world, essentially what we're doing is we are having the quantum space experience. We're moving into this realm beyond space-time dimension, mm -hmm. alternate realms of consciousness. And from that place, we can receive a lot of messages. We can remember traumas that need to be resolved. Many, many things happen in this space. A lot of what I like to call rewiring. Integration begins in the plant medicine world when plant medicines start coming into our consciousness, into this level of awareness. So, so that's when... A person should come to you or a practitioner like you and start the process of integration and, and, and everything else. So so basically, you shouldn't go and see uh, actual, you shouldn't go and experience plant medicine until you have that healing done or started the process of that healing. Is that what it is? Well, there is cert certainly a level of stability. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I would never recommend anybody go to plant medicines if in any way they're really labile, they're really emotionally unstable, mentally unstable. It requires a certain level of stability. So that's something, you know, if, if someone is experiencing things like especially mental illness, really important to be evaluated by someone, a physician or you know, someone who's really in the know about these things, some practitioner who can determine if one is in fact stable enough to start working with plant medicines. 
when we hear about plant medicines, we might hear about ayahuasca, we might hear about peyote, we might, you know, we hear all these different things. And now it's on television even. You see people in ayahuasca ceremonies, and I don't, mm-hmm. I don't always like the, the way they are put, portrayed in that world. Uh, it doesn't seem like the, anything I've experienced in the plant medicine world. Uh, and then, of course, even people can go on YouTube, and there's just all kinds of ways that plant medicines can come into our reality. Mm-hmm. And maybe one hears these things and they're really frightened. Maybe it, that's not for me. That's whatever, you know, the, their filter is. And then perhaps it's just sort of like a, eh, inconsequential, you know, not really impressed. Uh, there's no real feelings one way or the other about it. And then there's other people that might hear it and just go, what's that? Tell me more, right? And so essentially that's when integration begins. We are now moving into a conversation with the plant teacher, one of the what's called the entheogens or the master plant teachers. Typically when we're talking about plant medicines, we're talking about things like ayahuasca, wachuma, Mm -hmm. peyote, mushrooms, and cannabis. This can be a wonderful plant teacher if we are going into an intentional and ceremonial space. So the conversation begins. Mm-hmm. Then uh, where we go from there a lot of times just depends on how it chooses to come in next, right? So for mm-hmm. me, it came in this really random way. I didn't really know even what this plant medicine was. I'd never heard about this plant medicine, ayahuasca. But I definitely understood that it was my time because of the way that it came in, that she came in. We know her as madre or grandmother. And I was able to just intuitively understand. That was your time. Right? I have a choice. And, Mm -hmm. And my choice was to follow this instinct of, okay, this feels aligned. This feels right. Uh, it's interesting that you said that about some people may just kind of like disregard it or and then there's those that were, are like, well, tell me more. Because when ayahuasca first was talked about or I heard it talked about, it was probably like in 2017. And I heard about it. And, you know, the things that I heard about it, I was like, mm, I don't think I want to do that. <laughs> and I decided to not go that route with my Reiki master was like, you need to go to an ayahuasca ceremony. And he had been and experienced it and everything else. And I was like, you think so? You know, I've always, I've heard about ayahuasca and I was actually supposed to go to um, Peru a long time ago and something, you know, life happened, whatever the case may be, and I didn't go. But then right then and there, I was so more interested and intrigued with it and wanting to know more. So I think this is my time. And the thing about it is, is that people are not talking about integration. So people are going to an ayahuasca ceremony seeking healing and they have all this, you know, these different things, these brokenness and and, and then also the mental illness factor. I'm glad that you said, you know, talk to the practitioner because a lot of times you may go to an ayahuasca ceremony and it may say, you know, just go off of your medications for a couple of weeks and who knows 
what to do, especially when you're first going, um, when you're first getting introduced into the plant medicine. So I'm glad that you're speaking about this. And, and actually, I remember you writing some top questions down as to what to ask your practitioner. And if you are a practitioner, these are things that you should also know as well. And I absolutely love them. <laughs> I absolutely love those questions because a lot of people don't know what to ask and, and how to really go about this process the safe way and the best way that's going to get the best healing. Yeah, and that's exactly that. it. We're talking about optimal experience here when we talk about using this integration time wisely. It's not necessarily that something dangerous may happen, although we know certainly these things are happening and, and now at a much higher rate because, you know, we just have a lot of practitioners now that really I feel are not qualified to be doing this work. Uh, well, is that why it's dangerous? Is it like, um, people really definitely need to know. So like the dangers of not having the correct practitioner and not asking the correct or knowing the, the correct questions to ask. For example, we'll just stick with the ayahuasca mainly because I would say ayahuasca is probably the one we want to be the most careful about. Yeah, and careful about. There's other ones like Wachuma, peyote. Certainly the way that you enter into that process has a huge impact. The people, mm -hmm. how, even how people heard about it, right? So if you heard about it through the internet and just a bunch of random people are showing up with very little screening, well, be aware that you're going to be subjecting yourself to potentially very dark energy in a space. And if you're vulnerable, which we all are, and then especially under the plant medicines, we are absolutely affected by those things. There's something we speak about this trinity, which is you, the medicine, and the practitioner. The person who's, uh, it, whether it may be what we call like an ayahuasca, who's a, a practitioner who works with primarily with ayahuasca. We have curanderas, you know, which would be like medicine men and women who have work with like many, many, many different plant medicines, not all like psychotropic type medicine. There's many different kinds of practitioners out there, right? We, we think like, oh, they're all shamans or no. Not at all. Some have zero shamanic training. You know, some of them wouldn't even be able to tell you what a shaman really is. So we get into a lot of dangers. Basically, the further away that we get from the indigenous roots, especially now with when people are just able to order medicine online. And I've seen it many, many times where somebody goes to Peru, they have a few ceremonies, all of a sudden they're the expert, they come back. They buy some ayahuasca online and they start hosting ayahuasca ceremonies without having a clue as to how potentially dangerous that might be. More and more, wow. you know, we, we, I anticipate we'll see things happening like this because they do in, indeed happen. We just don't hear about them as much yet, but we do hear about them, uh, especially if you're in the world where you're speaking with other people who have been walking this path for quite a while. So. Dangers, absolutely. Medications, there's certain types of medications that uh, can be fatal, absolutely fatal, and in a combination with ayahuasca. And I would say six weeks to six months, you know, maybe even sometimes we want to start preparing. If you're really serious about this and you've got a lot of things going on, six, yeah. six months of pre-integration time might be a really good amount of time to really prepare for this because once we go into the world where our ego completely dissolves, everything dismantles, all of our belief systems dismantle, 
everything begins to unravel, and then we experience this quantum space, this cosmic space, spirit. We don't have any idea what these things are, and we're not prepared in some way. It can make the journey a lot more difficult, confusing. There can be a lot of resistance in the journey. Many things can happen. So when we talk about optimal experience, we're talking about dieta. Dieta is at minimum for anybody who's a really prudent, I think, a participant, two weeks of abstaining from as many medicines as possible. So two weeks. Yeah, Mm. cannabis, sex. Sex is also medicine, right? When especially, especially sacred sex. Yes. Sex, you know. But I would say the sacred sex is a lot more okay than just having, you know, random sex that can in some way be traumatic even like we want to eliminate as many potentials for traumas we really just want to be getting to clear out so we can allow this plant medicine teacher to be seen and heard so we can have the actual conversation but also so we're giving this plant medicine the opportunity to work in our body at the optimal level we're confusing if we've got a lot of other stuff going on in our bodies then it's uh can compete in a sense, as well. So we're just not going to have the optimal journey. And I was actually just about to lead into that. <laughs> but I'd never heard of the two-week timeline. I thought it was just, or, you know, maybe I just don't remember. I thought it was a few days. Hopefully, it's, it's a memory lapse, that I did hear about it. But I know that there were dietary restrictions, but it wasn't like it was enforced. Like, it was kind of like it was a choice, but the yes. recommendation. Okay, yes. so the, the dietary is a recommendation. Well, it depends on who you're working with. So with, when you're working with a, a practitioner that is working in a safe manner and everything else, what exactly – is those are those suggestions like so what especially for a beginner we're talking about in the yoga world in the ayurvedic world we might talk about it as like a sattvic diet a very very pure diet a bland diet we don't want to confuse the body even with like garlic or chilies we typically want to abstain from meat even dairy you know like soft vegetable mm-hmm. rice our quinoa, very little, you really want to uh, also eliminate salt. There can be a lot of interference with salt. You know, the list goes on and on. Dried foods, any food that's old, like kind of old dried, like even dried fruits or nuts. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want it to be fresh, mm-hmm. gentle, and as clean and pure as possible. Mm-hmm. No meat. No. Right. We want to get at, some people say like, okay, well, fish or chicken. I've even been, you know, at, at ceremonies where afterwards or in between ceremonies, there's like some fish or some uh, chicken, mm-hmm. uh, but definitely red meat is, is ill-advised. Although, you know, again, it depends on which lineage you're dealing with, which teacher you're dealing with. Some of the Brazilian tribes like the Hunikuan would say, oh, three days, 24 hours, no alcohol. You know, no, or, mm-hmm. you know, they were, they might, now they know to, you know, screen for medications. The thing is, is like a lot of these tribes who haven't, they have, don't really understand Western ways yet, tend to not really enforce a dieta. Also, their medicine is different and their approach is different. 
the Peruvian lineages are the ones who are really enforcing these dietas. The Peruvians have been working with Westerners a lot longer now. These indigenous uh, Peruvian shamans started receiving all these, these Westerners. They didn't understand Western ways yet. We have a whole different slew of issues and problems we're coming with. We have a lot more toxins sometimes in our bodies. We're on pharmaceuticals. There's a lot of trauma, shadows, you know, all these, these different kinds of things. They've understood for a long time now, no, Westerners really need this more gentle integration process. They need a lot of screening before they come to this medicine. And ultimately, it becomes a personal experiment. So the first okay. time, first few times, the uh, first few years, actually, even, uh, as I was working with ayahuasca, I t- very, very seriously, as did all the people I was uh, sitting with, and people were very, very strict about their diecas. Yeah. I would start playing with, because then I started doing what's called more like social dieta. Reason being is where I was practicing in the jungle of different places, when you're working with this medicine, you know, three, three times, two, three times a week or something like that, and then also kind of carrying on with a somewhat normal life, well, you're not always going to be abstaining from sex or from salt or different things like that. So even with coffee, I would bring in coffee. Okay, I'm going to experiment this time and see how does uh, bringing caffeine back in affect my journey? How does bringing pizza back in affect my journey, things like this, <laughs> right? So, and for sure, the, you know, the more we give to this pre-integration process of, and it can also be like, yeah, learn all about it. Watch videos, watch, you know, go on Gaia.com and watch Psychedelia or Psychedelica, I think it's called it, and watch people who have been doing this for a long time and are highly regarded, not just some random person. This is a problem. Like, we start asking things on Facebook. Hey, what do you think? People are like, just do what you feel or just do this, but they're not. That's experts. dangerous. They have could be very dangerous. I've seen some very bad advice. Mm-hmm. over Facebook when people have asked these open-ended questions to people. So find the experts, find the people. There's lots of resources out there for that. Entheonation.com, you know, would be a really good one. The afterlife coach, uh, my teacher, one of my teachers, Kat Courtney, there's a lot of people out there who are experts on this. These are the sources that we want to go to. Read their blogs Watch videos uh, on these topics with people who will really know what they're talking about. Get to know the medicine. Put a photo of the vine, you know, or the, the whatever it is you're working with, the toad or the, the peyote cactus or whatever it may be. Make an altar. Put a photo. Uh, start offering to the plant. Start praying with the plant. Start visualizing the plant. Begin the conversation. All of these things, these preparatory things, what we call, call like the pre-integration, are super, super valuable. Yes. With the medicine, you're going to have a much deeper and more optimal experience. By the yes. time you arrive, you're really, 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 truly ready to meet this plant teacher rather than maybe just having an, ah, you know, it was beautiful. I saw lights and stars and, you know, everything was lit up or, uh, you know, oh, or some people have very uncomfortable, very bad experiences. So when we do our homework and we approach this as we're going to do one of the most important things we've ever done in our lives and we're going to take it very, very seriously, it makes all the difference. 
Yes, I, I completely agree. And wisdom and knowledge that you have on this is just so amazing. And I'm so glad that you've like did the training, went and sat with different shamans, different practitioners to get all of this information and understanding. And so like when you're doing the diet, is that, am I saying it right? When you're doing that, and if it's your very first time, when when you substitute things, like, for instance, you bring in coffee um, when you didn't have coffee, is this because you've done ayahuasca multiple times or how? Yeah, it was after I had been working with this medicine for quite a long time. Okay. And eventually I was working with it so much. It was like, okay, I'm not just not going to, I don't want to never have a cup of coffee. Exactly. You know, so that's what we go into what we call social dieta. But mm-hmm. I would recommend social dieta for people who are working with the medicine all of the time. And even then, there are certain things that we just never take into our bodies. Like I like to be what I call ayahuasca ready at mm-hmm. all times, which means if somebody calls me tomorrow on the phone and says, you know, hey, you want to pop down and do an ayahuasca ceremony and drink some medicine? I'd be like, yeah, I'm right, because I'm constantly clearing. This is mm. what we call the other side of integration, right? Post-ceremony, between ceremonies. Yes. So I, am, I don't ever drink alcohol. And if I do, it's maybe a few sips of a really nice glass of wine or a few sips of a beer, you know, once and literally like a blue moon, you know, once a year or something like that. I'm very, very clean with my diet. And I'm always clearing my mind, right, with meditation and different practices, yoga. And so I'm always in this state of integration. And I'm always ayahuasca ready, we'll say. So what's the integration process during the ceremony? So the ceremony itself is ceremony, right? So we're, mm-hmm. we've got the integration process leading up to ceremony, then we've got the actual ceremony, and then we've got integration process post-ceremonies. Uh, there's different ways. So the Peruvian way, typically like the Shipiba way or the Mestiza way, which is like European indigenous, it's in the dark, completely in the dark. Traditionally, it would be like in the jungle. and No fire? No fire. No nope. fire. Okay. I haven't experienced that. Dark. <laughs> wow. This could translate to, you know, if you're not in the jungle or something like that, maybe just being in a safe space, a ceremonial space uh, where there's also no light. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's complete darkness. Also complete silence other than singing. So we are all there to do our individual work. This is not a party. This We're not there to, like, get deep with each other, which is unfortunately something that's also now happening, even people mixing, you know, tantric ayahuasca ceremony and have an orgy and have sex with, you know, multiple people. There's lots of things, Denise, going on out there that are... An orgy? Like, I mean, you're scaring me here. What is going on? I I say this a lot these days, trust me. Going on, I say that a lot these days. However, in these traditional ways, this is how it would be done. In complete silence, other than singing along with the chanting that's happening, uh, the medicine songs, the Icaros, we sometimes call them. And, and they Which are very beautiful, by the way. Beautiful. And then say in like a Brazilian tradition, like Kunikuin, that is around a fire. That's the one I've experienced. A different kind of ceremony where you really want to be sitting up, being really present in the space, singing the songs. But we're still not 
chattering, speaking mm-hmm. to one another. We're with the medicine, but we're allowing the, this medicine to come through us and song to sing and dance through us. A lot of rattling, guitars slang, things like this. So it's a whole different vibe, this kind of ceremony. There's multiple lineages. Then we get into the Colombian lineages. There's all these different lineages uh, that even their medicines are different as well. But the, it's more of these Brazilian tribes uh, like Yawanawa and Huniku and Shipibo. These are the ones that I'm most familiar with. These are the, the ones that I can speak to directly. There's a lot of, there's, there's different ways to approach this medicine. I had the opportunities to sit in all different kinds of, as well as with the Santo Daime. So there's a whole different way uh, as well, uh, different medicine. And I think there's... What, nice what exactly is that? What exactly is that? Daime is at Santo Daime. They're, they're like a church. Actually, I can't, I can't give a lot of specifics. I'm not that up on it. But it's basically, it's like a religion, like a church. And ayahuasca is a part of their religion. Got it. Okay. It's a real part of, it's like you go to ayahuasca church and you sing with the lights on and sing songs with your brothers and sisters with ayahuasca. Okay. Um, Have you ever done any ayahuasca as far as, and please forgive me if I'm getting this terminology wrong, but as far as in the Egyptian area, have you ever had a, like a ceremony or anything like that part? No, only really in the, the Amazon. Okay, okay. In, in various places around the world, but not in like Europe or Africa or any, anywhere like that. No. Of course, there's ayahuasca ceremonies happening all over the world. If you want to go to an ayahuasca ceremony, all you got to do is ask around a little bit, get on the internet. You'll find one near you. Yeah. Yeah, I've now discovered that. But before we got involved, which was, you know, fairly recently, well, I guess I wasn't seeking it. Well, the the plant wasn't calling me. And so once it was my time, it was my time. And I I know that my first ceremony was incredible. Both ceremonies were great, but the first ceremony was so vivid. (laughs) So vivid and green. It was it was definitely an experience, but I think that what was healthy, what was good for me was I did ask a lot of questions to the person that was hosting it. And then I also asked some questions to the, the shamans that were there. And they were also kind of like telling what was going to happen, why it was happening and all of these things so that we could we wouldn't be like shell shocked, like, <laughs> like a deer stuck in headlights trying to figure out what's going on. And so I had an amazing, amazing experience. The second ceremony was also amazing and incredible. It just wasn't as vivid. I'm glad that you're talking about the integration process because possibly it was because maybe I didn't detox enough for that ceremony or I, there are certain things maybe my mind was not freed and everything else. And so those are good tips that you have. So what about afterwards? Like after, cause that, it's, a, it's truthfully a lot of information and healing and stuff that could take place. And so for me, it's hard to. Oh, yes. I want to go back and say to the, just say, like, before we finish talking about the ceremonies itself, where you had these beautiful visual experiences, it was very joyful. That's wonderful. As we generally work with this medicine, she takes us deeper and deeper. Most of the time, she's very gentle at first. 
then <laughs> then we eventually it goes deeper and deeper and deeper mm. because uh, she is a shadow plant. So she is meant, these plant teachers, especially Grandmother Ayahuasca, are meant to show us our shadows. They are meant to show us our blind spots. They are meant to show us the places that we need to look and shine our light and awareness on so we can return to wholeness, so we can heal timelines and return to wholeness. Wow. Okay. That's That's why we start calling a plant teacher because they do indeed become a teacher. I went through, I'm going to say, two years with this medicine where it was physically the most difficult experience. I would be so sick. I would be Mm. nauseous days before I knew I was going. I would have intense nausea and vomiting. Sometimes I couldn't even hold the medicine down, and then I would have to go back three, four times, keep trying until finally I was able to clean out enough that I would mm-hmm. have a, a little bit of a, a journey. And, of course, there were many teachings there, right, because I was starting to move into fear because now some, I was understanding, like, oh, there's some dark stuff that's going to be uncovered if I keep doing If you keep going. There's a lot of anxiety. There's a lot of fear. What am I afraid of? And so then that begins the whole journey of what am I afraid of? How is fear here to be a teacher? How is nausea here to be a teacher? Really? Nausea being a teacher? Yeah, and how are all of these difficult experiences strengthening me and fortifying me. I mean, when you have to, when it becomes, I, there was, I mean, you know, we know that per, it's a purgative medicine. So sometimes, you know, I'm so weak and stuff is coming out both ends and I can't even crawl to the toilet. And I'm the sickest I've ever felt in my entire life. There's, of course, wow, I, this is, I feel the sickest I've ever felt in my entire life, right? And there's, I'm experiencing that. Yet there's also this immense gratitude for it. And okay. keep knowing that I'm really doing some deep, deep work. So I, I'm, I'm confused because, like, usually if somebody's experiencing um, nausea and uh, pretty much almost debilitation, almost linked to the medicine, they'll, usually they give up. Why didn't you, like, throw in the towel and say, I'm not doing this? I mean, how did you have the momentum to keep on going? Yeah, because that was my relationship with her as my teacher, as my mm-hmm. grandmother, as my, you know, and she showed me some tough love. She showed me darkness. Uh, she showed me things that were frightening, lots of things. I have a deep, deep trust, a deep trust with this medicine. Mm. I knew that, you know, as long as I was meeting her halfway by doing my due diligence to be clean, to not abuse her, mm. to always come to ceremony like I was going to meet God, you know, the goddess herself, with deep reverence, with respect, with caution, with admiration, I trusted that what was what I was experiencing was what I needed for my healing. Wow, that's amazing. I think, and this is something that I hope that so many people hear, because especially the ones that are being called to plant medicine is because I know I would have gave up because I would have been like, this is not right. I would have been scared. And I don't think I would have gotten 
that feedback that you just gave. And so that was very helpful. So I appreciate it. With that and knowing your journey and really getting kind of like connected to the plant, it's really just like you said, learning how to trust the plant. So each ceremony, and I'm glad that you also brought that up because I did not know that um, the more that you go to ayahuasca, the deeper it gets. And I did not know. So the first time it, that must have been, you know, the light time and she was just, you know, right. because the second time, like I said, it wasn't as vivid, but I remember my ego died. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she yeah. killed my ego like, in the, literally inside there. That also makes me now want to seek her again because Yes, that that is so important. That's what we're going for is to heal these wounds in a natural manner. This is the plant from the earth, from God, that was is here to help us. I appreciate that. How do you think... Oh, as I say, if you think about the fact that... So all of these different plant medicines, you know, they have their own ways of working, but she is a vine, right? So she's actually... What do vines do? They, like, link and interweave and sew together. So it's like she's coming back. Like, look at our energetic patterns as sort of like these wavy lines. And patterns, it's also vine-like. She's coming in to really weave and through our system and to help us unravel and then reweave. I, that's how we get into integration. I, I I know what you're talking about, the weaving, because when I was in ceremony, every song, it seemed like it was another wave. You go into another dimension, and, and, that, and that's what it really is. It was like you're going into another dimension, and I felt like like I was waving. <laughs> I know that people can't see me right now, but I felt like I was on a wave, like a, a wave of some sort, and it was very interesting, but I did not know that. I did not know she was a vine. Yeah. Wow. This is yeah. so incredible. I'm just learning so much of things that I didn't even know. And yeah, good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and also uh, with, with ayahuasca, so Aya, she's the vine, what we call the vine of the soul. She's this more like the more medicinal side in the plant spirit. But then we also are working with chacruna. So chacruna is the leaves that add the DMT effect. And then that DMT, which is generally a very short sort of journey, if we're smoking it, like, say, with, like, Bufo or NMDMT or something like that, Changa. Mm-hmm. But with ayahuasca, the properties of the vine is that it helps extend that DMT journey. So we have a longer, the opportunity for a much longer conversation with spirit. DMT, we know, is like spirit molecule, God molecule, depending uh. on the form. And then this is where we also get into, so there's different brews, right? And every ayahuasquero, every brewmaster, every tribe, you know, they all have different brews. So, Mm -hmm. again, you know, this is a good question to ask your practitioner. Yes. The brew, what are you using? Is it it chacuna or is it yahe? You know, are you putting other types of plant medicines in there? You know, these are all... Good question. As we go, you know, as you go further in, these things just you naturally want to know more, right? And then you begin to experience the nuances uh, working with different kinds of brews. Once we get through that journey, which we know is typically around six hours. Oh, yes. But it doesn't seem that way. Yeah. <laughs> in, in, in essence, it's timeless, right? Because we move into the quantum space. And so yes. and if you work with somebody like an integration therapist like me, who's so deeply in tune with this medicine, I can help you reconnect into that plant and to continue the conversation with the plant. I can help. Wow. Once the plant's in you, she's in you. 
Um, oh, so even after, like, how long after can you help? Can you help, like, if somebody has went? Yeah, forever. Yeah, as long as any length of time. You know, once she's been awakened within you, she's awakened within you. Many, many times if I'm work with some, working with somebody who has uh, worked a lot with ayahuasca, for sure, she just comes in right away. She wants to be the boss. She wants to control the the, the yeah. feeling in that, in that situation, you know, different, wow. different uh, things come in, uh, just depending on who I'm working with. It might also be like Mother Mary or Mary Magdalene or mm-hmm. uh, Yeshua, Jesus, you know, different things like that. Yeah, with the plant medicine integration, that's what we're focusing on is continuing the conversation with the plant and then delving into all the ways that we can maximize this rewiring that's happening. Once we come out of ceremony, uh, that's just the very, very beginning. Now the real work begins. Now we are in this vulnerable place where everything is unraveling and rewiring. If we just go back to normal life on Monday after our weekend uh, excursion and don't allow any time for integration to really sit with the plant, to journal, to spend time in nature, to continue Mm -hmm. with a really clean diet, I mean, many, many things – we're just probably going to slip back into old patterns really quickly, and sometimes it gets even worse. That's often happened with people. They feel great, and then they plummet. They plummet, and they feel a lot worse, especially if there has been something remembered in a ceremony, like a deep trauma, mm. past life experience. Mm. Wow. It's not uncommon for women to have a lot of womb issues. So many times uh, it's not uncommon for women in ayahuasca in ceremony to experience giving birth to hundreds of stillborn children. Oh, my God. Um, There can be extremely traumatic experiences that one remembers in ceremony. And then often... The person who's, you know, who, who's in charge of these ceremonies, they don't value integration and they don't even have resources or they just don't understand how deeply this can affect someone. Many times I've spoken with people who say something like, yeah, I remembered I was molested by my grandfather while I was in an ayahuasca ceremony and I told people about it, but they just didn't really have anything to tell me and I just didn't really do anything about it. Wow. Right? You know, um, You bring up a good point, and that is just just so hurtful that people can experience those kinds of things. And actually, to be perfectly honest, integration on the when I went to the different ceremonies that I went, I don't recall any kind of integration talk uh, post, you know, uh, ayahuasca or post peyote or even post-Bufo, post-Campbell, any of those, that, those things, it wasn't talked about. And I, didn't, and, and I did pretty much go back to my regular routine. Okay, so I'm supposed to only, you know, not eat or do these things for a certain period of time before. But afterwards, I'm going to go and slip into it. And then also, yes, you're absolutely right. It's like the certain memories could come back or certain things could um, trigger you. And I did not know that that was because the integration needs to continue. Yeah. I didn't even know about integration at all. So, <laughs> so that often even people will go back and say, oh, well, ceremony's over now, 24 hours later. Yeah, I'm going to have a bottle of wine. Can't wait to get back to that beer. Or who knows, go to a rave and have some MDMA, which can be a fatal combination. I mean, there's lots of dangers even post-ceremony that, you know, interactions, things that can happen. But we just don't understand 
oh, that was why I ended up feeling much worse. That's what happened, you know, because I felt great for a couple of days. And then all of a sudden, I, you know, it started getting much worse and things really started unraveling and I felt terrible. And it's like, well, because probably there was uh, the integration process wasn't really honored. And, you know, not, like you said, you didn't even really understand or know about it. Unfortunately, what happens is a lot of people will, because they're making money on ceremony, and this is how they make their money, they want to devalue the integration process. They don't make money on integration. They make money on hooking people on ceremony. So always beware of any practitioner who tells you all you need is more ceremony. Please. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very wary of anyone who tells yeah. something like that. I I, I didn't think I, I wasn't even thinking that I was going to share this, but like, because it was so recent that I went and had ceremonies and everything else, I, I, and, and I don't know if there's a link at all, but you bringing this up, it may possibly be a, a link. I just went through, I was going through like a depression. Uh, never have I ever went through that kind of depression and it was just it had me to the point where I couldn't hardly get out of bed I was crying just off of the peanut butter jar like <laughs> looking at a peanut butter jar and started crying <laughs> like I, I just couldn't understand and then I was crying and feeling even more bad because I was crying and it was just it was just horrible and the normal remedies that I normally use I'm really like nature is you know if I go into nature it really heals me and calms me and grounds me I you know I love to be in water and so when I'm in water it's a grounding and it wasn't working Nothing, meditating, journaling, nothing that I normally do was working. And, you know, I had to even go deeper. And finally, when I went deeper and really talked and said, hey, <laughs> I need help, <laughs> you know, heal me because I don't know what's going on. Then, you know, something happened, but I've never experienced that. And I wonder if it was connected because I did get flashbacks of, okay, what happened in the ceremony is not making sense with what's going on in my life now. So is ceremony, you know, is Am I crazy? Did the ceremony lie to me? And I did have those thoughts, and I didn't know that that could happen. Absolutely. It happens all the time. You know, the medicines crack us open, right? And mm. so often depression can serve us if it serves us uh, where we can create a space where we can go into that and feel our feelings, right? Yeah. And cry and cry and release and do mm. all of that. But we, you know, we often just fall into the shadow side of depression and then we immediately want it to go away. Why is this happening? Mm. I want it to go away. That's where an integration therapist can really help, especially if you've been through the happy words plan medicine and then now all of a sudden I'm really depressed. Also, when we feel this vibration of our highest selves, which is what we're coming into when we experience something like spirit through ayahuasca and we're in this magical realm where it's infinite love and everything is possible and it's pretty lights and we realize like oh this is who I really am and this is what's really real beyond ego beyond thought but then here we are right back in our normal life with ego and thought and that can be really depressing just back to normal and then we can begin to crave and long for that experience again and that's longing can be very healthy, right? In bhakti yoga, which is the yoga of devotion, we talk a lot about longing, longing Mm. for spirit, yearning for the divine, yearning for God, yearning to be a part of the one, to return to wholeness, to return to oneness. 
if we're unable to attain that again, or the only way we can attain it is to go back into ceremony, then that can be very depressing. Again, integration is about how do we bring ceremony into every day? How do we connect to that place that we experienced every day without the aid of plant medicines? Because we can't do ayahuasca ceremony every day. That's another very important part of the integration process. How do we now connect with this part of our being, with this eternal oneness? How do we experience that and remember that every single day and live from that place? That's the ultimate goal of plant medicine work, of yoga, of tantra, of anything. It's how can we bring essentially ceremony or the highest vibration of ourselves into every moment of every day and live from that place. That's good. That's really good. I, I wanted to, the the post that you wrote where you were giving the information as to what asked the practitioner and also if you are a practitioner or a shaman, what to ask you know, yourself as, as that. Is it possible that I can leave that information in the description of the podcast so that people could click on it and, and look at it? And also, I want to make sure that people can get in contact with you and stay connected to you because you have so much information. And you, it's not only just about the knowledge that you have, but I know that you are passionate about this. I know that you are ethical and responsible and you hold yourself accountable and you also hold the people around you accountable. And so that's really important in this space because it can be so dangerous and scary. How could people connect with you? Do you have a, anyway? <laughs> so I have a website, okay. which is www.awakenascend.com. Uh, it can also find it through IWantToHeal.com. I have a book coming out on Amazon, maybe this month, maybe next month. Wow. Still, you know, still in these final editing process. This is a book. I do talk a little bit about the beginning of that dark night of the soul, a little bit of the ayahuasca journey, but it's, this is more about the time that I spent in India. Uh, and, and it's all about unraveling and deconditioning and rewiring and healing. And so that's coming out, and that would be a really good thing for anybody who's just wondering about healing and enlightenment and how do I get out of these cycles and these loops. This book talks about how do we get to that place, remembering who we are and who is that, you know, who are we really. I don't have any specific events coming up. I just finished a women's group that met for four weeks online. But the best way generally is to get find me on Facebook, become a part of one of my my groups, and then I post things through there as well as anyone who's in contact with me through my website can can find things out. Yeah, so I'll put the link in the podcast episode description and also um, put the links to your social media and the link to that post that you did. I'm probably going to PDF it and make sure that your information is at the bottom and just, and, and also to your website, but just connect with Bonnie because she is incredibly amazing and such a beautiful human being. Bonnie, I just so thank you for sharing your wisdom, your knowledge, your, your blessings to us, because this is a blessing to know especially if you're on this journey and you, or you just started the journey or if you've been on it and you don't, you're like, oh, my God, I've done it so wrong. So, <laughs> but thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate you. Audience, please connect with her. She's awesome. And for the next episode of The Healers Realm, I'll talk to you later. Thank you, Denise. 
Thank you for watching another episode of the Healer's Realm Podcast. Become a part of the tribe by getting connected on Instagram at The Shamanic Group. And don't forget your free gift in the podcast description. See you next time in another great episode.